Thank you for joining the podcast. I do realize there are so many options available and the fact that you chose to listen to this podcast means a lot to me. My name is Sharon Feckety. I am the host of the Dr. Whisperer Show. I am also the founder of the Dr. Whisperer. So basically, I am the Dr. Whisperer. We are going to navigate through the business of medicine together. We're going to feature some doctors, some healthcare attorneys, some patients, some practice managers, people that will help you navigate through this industry. So thanks for joining us. If you are enjoying the podcast and you think somebody else could benefit from it, share it with them or write a review or both. Thanks again. 2021, we're coming for you and we're going to get through this together. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. So today is a special episode. Um, I will be featuring the author, Matt Bocci, who is an author from up north like me um, that I met via Clubhouse, which I love that we met via Clubhouse. And um, now I've had some great conversations with him and I've read his book. As a matter of fact, when I heard him speaking the first time, I downloaded his book right away to Audible. And I rode my bike uh, two days, uh, very long trips, so I could be sure to finish his book um, over the weekend. So I recorded this um, episode on my other podcast, which is The Broken Road to Mental Health. And um, today is going to be a little bit of a, a crossover because May, as you may or may not know, is Mental Health Month. So I want to bring as much attention as possible um, and highlight some of the amazing people professionals, speakers, authors that I've been able to interview, of course, doctors, psychiatrists, and, and beyond. But um, this book, Sway, is amazing. Um, it's right here. I, I highly recommend. This is my autographed copy. You're not getting it. But um, I did listen to it on Audible. So it's available on all platforms. Of course, Amazon is usually everybody's go-to. But I think you're going to really enjoy it. Um, it's a very brave story. And because I'm from New York and this story is about um, a young man who lost his father in the Twin Towers. And um, I was there uh, in New York during that time and remember it like it was yesterday. Nobody's forgotten. I think it's obviously through this pandemic, it's been compared a lot to the trauma as a globe that we all felt. Um, but this man in particular went through a severe addiction and, you know, depression, sexual trauma. And um, if you're watching this, it's pretty funny. Charlie Brown is right behind us. Uh, his, his tail just showed up. He likes to be in the episodes. So I hope you um, tune into this one. This is a good one. Um, Matt is an incredible speaker and he is available for uh, booking engagements now that we are beginning to reopen into this world safely. Um, reach out to Matt. Uh, all the information is in the show notes. Thank you for joining. And thank you to our incredible sponsor, Thai Technology, as always. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Broken Road to Mental Health. Well, this is going to be a good story, everybody, because the gentleman I'm going to introduce in just a moment, I met on Clubhouse. I've never said that before in my life. And I'm happy to say it here because um, not only did I meet Matthew through this new incredible app, which is Audible, which of course I love all things Audible, but when he shared, I was so 
touched and I couldn't wait to ask him to be on the show. And then I was so glad he said yes. And then I read his whole book over the weekend. <laughs> That's how um, excited I am about this gentleman I'm going to bring on. His name is Matthew Bocci, and he is the author of this incredible memoir, Sway. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks for having me. So Matt, I have so many questions for you, but I feel like because we are brother and sister in recovery, mm-hmm. that we've already known each other our whole lives. <laughs> we share, yeah, yeah. I don't, right? I mean, this is exactly how it works when you have been through a tremendous amount of adversity and you meet somebody else that has gone through tremendous adversity, overcome it, and is thriving. So congratulations on the success of your launch of your book. I'm very excited to learn more about how things are going. But before that, um, I want to just let the audience know that um, Matthew's story is uh, very touching, uh, very, I will say, difficult at times to get through. I'm a very transparent and honest person. Anybody that knows me that listens to this will will know that um, I'm not exaggerating. It was um, very honest, very transparent, very vulnerable. And will help so many people, but I dare I say a lot of men. So thank you so much for for sharing your vulnerability. Matthew also is uh, from up north. Um, He lost his father in 9-11. And I want to make sure I I have the opportunity to say how sorry I am for your loss. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I know a lot of time has passed, but that will never go away. Um, and being from New York and, and knowing a lot of people close to me that lost their lives, I can't imagine what it would be like to lose my father. So I'm really, really, um, I'm sending you a ton of love virtually right Thank now. You. So Matthew, why don't you, instead of me talking this whole podcast, why don't you tell everybody about um, why you decided to write this beautiful memoir about your addiction, your recovery, your um, your issues with your uncle, and you have a really strong story about sexual abuse, which I was as sad as I was to uh, read this in your book. I was so proud of you the entire time. So why don't you let the audience know a little bit about you and why you decided to make this memoir happen? Yeah, well, I mean, you touched on it with one word um, in the beginning of the introduction. That's, for me, vulnerability. Um, I have been writing my whole life. Uh, most of it had been journal journaling as a kid. And um, I didn't realize the effect that it had on me when I got pen to paper, when I put pen to paper and got those things off my chest. Um, so I began speaking at high schools about six, seven months into my sobriety. Um, started off with high schools, it's transitioned to other places now, but um, I was telling my story and numerous people came up to me and said, you know, why don't you consider writing a book? And uh, I kind of laughed it off. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to try. And I did. Um, And, uh, you know, it was a long, long process to get it out there. Um, I finished the first draft in about eight months. And then it was constant years of editing and pitching agents and publishers and all that stuff. And finally, I got my deal and and the book came out and, um, you know, and, and, I get messages now. I receive messages that really blow me away and make me realize that I did this. And not only that I did it, but like I, my purpose is in this, you know, and um, 
that was important for me to kind of be reiterated for, you know, because I doubted myself. I still doubt myself, you know, um, but to have people reach out to me and say, Hey, I read your book in rehab or detox. I was doing that with authors that I look up to. And for me to be in that same category in that grouping is just unbelievably powerful. It really is. And I think that you, well, I know that you are going to help so many people. Um, I think I have uh, just such a big place in my heart for the, the place where you are in your life today. You're 28 years old. You're sober five years. Um, you've written a book. You survived and thrived. And now you have this wonderful opportunity to help so many people through your speaking engagements through um, through writing, I know that you're going to embark on some more writings, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. How proud is your family? <laughs> like, what proud. about Uncle Tony? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he and he jokes um, that you know he's he's a writer trapped in a lawyer's body. So for him, he's living vicariously through me. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, it's um, it's they're proud of my sobriety. I think more than anything at times. Um, you know, I mean, it was pretty cool for them to see me on TV and stuff like that. But um, to see to see the change in me in the last five and a half years, you know, I put them through so much prior to getting sober. Um, and I think that everyone kind of doubted that I was going to maintain my sobriety, rightfully so, when I did get sober. And so for them to see that I've actually like continued to maintain my sobriety and, and I work at it every single day, you know, it's like, I go to meet, I still go to meetings at pretty much every single day. Um, and I think some people don't understand that, you know, we need to be doing this and working this program daily. Um, but they are kind of, they are also impressed to see that, you know, to see that I'm still actively a member of, of 12 step programs. Yeah. I mean, um, I got sober at 21 and I'm 48 now. So there, there's a lot of hope. What I'm excited about is that you too get to really grow up mm-hmm. in sobriety. You get to grow up um, with these wonderful principles surrounding us and um, discipline that is taught and, you know, staying true to your word. Like I wasn't worried for a second that you weren't going to show up on the <laughs> Zoom call today, which really and truly means so much to me as a sober woman to know that I have the people that are in my life that are in recovery understand that we have to completely change the person that brought us in, which is not easy, and um, and learn how to gain trust. I love how um, candid you were throughout the book about it would be understandable to, for you to think that I would fail. It would be understandable for you to think that you, you shouldn't trust me. I gave you so many reasons in the past not to. And um, you and I are very blessed in the sense that we have a, a loving and supportive family. Not everybody has that, right? Yeah. No, I I can't say that I was um, in and out of attempts of sobriety that people knew of. Uh, you know, I had my brief little stints and detoxes and stuff, but uh, I'm just grateful that they didn't give up even with this, even where, like where I did end up, you know, because quite honestly, I've seen so many people struggle, um, even after multiple rehab stints and all that. And like, I was pretty much one of them. Um, but they didn't give up on me, you know, and they wanted the best for me. And, and now the best is, is coming. Yeah. I mean, I, my parents, when they get asked today, cause they're like little celebrities. Now I interview them, they get interviewed and, um, people always ask them, you know, what were the things that they did to, to not give up? And, and they say, you know, 
love, of course, um, getting help themselves. My family went through Family Anonymous. Um, I have two brothers and, um, you know, it's a lot of healing for everybody. It's not just the addict or the alcoholic. It's, it's, it runs through our families like a tornado, right? And we don't, I don't think we realize that too at times, you know, and that's something that's been powerful for me to witness, you know, because little things that I did, you know, actions or things that I said towards, you know, my brothers, for instance, I mean, yeah, you don't realize the trauma that you put them through, you know, and, or, and even if, it, you know, it's indirect where they're just watching everything and watching you unravel, you know, it, it's tough for them. Yeah. And um, it takes time to build that back, you know? Yeah, it takes years. I mean, yeah. um, I shared with my brother, my younger brother, who I interviewed on this show a few weeks ago. I never thought he would say yes. <laughs> I, was very, I was like, I got to do it quick before he changes his mind. But yeah. he's 10 years younger than me. And um, it wasn't until I released my book that we were able to have some really raw con like conversations about what it was like for him. You know, um, how it affected his life. And, and I'm sure you've had the same conversation since your release of your book, Sway. Yeah, you just, like I said, you just don't realize, you know, you don't realize. Um, I, I mean, I made, uh, I won't give anything away for the, for the audience, but I made amends uh, to my brothers for some of the stuff that I did that I, that I mentioned in the book. And um, for one of them, my youngest brother, it was, it was tough for him to hear it again, you know, um, because it's something that he vaguely remembered. And uh, that's sometimes really sad, you know, for me to look, to think about, you know, you think about the things you did, but you don't realize that it has a lasting effect at times. And, you know, living immense, right? That's sometimes all we can do, you know, just continue to live the life we're living, staying sober. And in doing so, naturally things get better. You know, the trust is there, but that maybe little hesitation or that doubt starts to kind of diminish slowly too. Yeah. There's so, I'm just, your whole book is swirling through my mind right now. I was, um, I was kind of hoping that the fly was going to come through while we were talking <laughs> because there's such a great reference to um, your dad's spirit being yeah. throughout your, your whole journey um, of while you were addicted all the way through recovery and, and your mom, it was just so special to hear that, that um, even when we lose somebody and, and in such a horrific way, the way that you lost your father, that he's been with you the whole time. Did you, did you feel his spirit with you while you were writing? Oh my God, absolutely. I mean, you know, the stories of the fly continue, have continued, you know, they were always, there was always those moments um, years prior to getting sober too. And um, it's, uh, I, I, sometimes it's indescribable to try to explain what you feel or um, the maybe the sense of relief that you get when you have those visits. And, um, you know, some people think you're crazy when you talk about it. For me, it's just reassuring. And uh, I had plenty of those uh, visits or those feelings of, of him being there, his presence being there when I was writing, definitely. Yeah, um, I, I get that. I get that in a big way. And I, I don't care who thinks that I'm crazy. Yeah. Know, 
I know every time I, I see a dolphin, it means something to me. I look for yeah. signs all the time. And it's, well, it's such a blessing now because God knows we weren't awake for so long. Mm-hmm. We didn't hear a bird chirp. Yeah, that's right, that's room. right. And we saw a fly and we wanted to just swat it. You know, yeah, exactly. our, our whole world changes when um, when we get sober. So I want to focus a little bit more on, on just your book and the journey that you've taken. Um, I guess because I had read a little bit about Sway before I started reading and I was listening to it because I'm an audible consumer, um, but I will read it and highlight it again because of the books of people that I, I really respect and admire. I always make sure that I get a hard copy of because they are all so important to me. Um, you started, the book started a lot more with what you went through with the sexual abuse with your uncle and it was so, um, I don't even know what the right word is. It was so, it was actually refreshing, Matt. Let me just tell you, that was really just refreshing to hear you speaking so candidly about it. And I could feel almost how, and I know that, you, you know, we won't, we won't ruin it for everybody that's listening that hasn't read the book, but how everything ends up. But the fact that you, you started the book by, by talking about that, I would assume, and you'll correct me, that it was such a big piece of, of your addiction and your trauma, you know, because as Dr. Gabor Mate um, always says, the trauma is not what happens to us, it's what happens inside of us. Have you heard of him, I, Dr. Mate? I'm going to hit you to all of it, Matt. <laughs> Please do. Uh, it sounds very familiar. I, there's a lot of books that I've started to read um, in recent years that kind of delve into trauma a little bit more and like what it does to the brain, what it does to a person. Um, you know, what's really strange, ironically, is that people who knew me or know me, but then knew me back then, they would never assume that I went through something like that right. at that time. Um, I was very secretive. Um, I put on, and I'm a very outgoing person. I'm very personable, but it was just easier for me to put on the facade that everything was okay. Um, I could let my guard down a little bit with talking about my dad or 9-11. But when it came to that, um, I wanted to pretend as if my life was somewhat normal because all I really wanted was to feel normal. And I didn't feel that. Um, so when writing those scenes and talking about that part of my life, which I look back now and I know for a fact, it's a very pivotal part of my life. Um, I think that in a lot of ways, it shaped who I am as a person today. Um, it certainly shaped th- those years, those formative years, and also the early years of my um, alcoholism and addiction. I wanted to not feel the pain that I was dealing with. Um, it was easier for me to take a drink or a drug and temporarily forget about what I went through. And so in writing those scenes, I mean, I didn't know how honest I should have been, right? So at first, I was not honest at all. I kept it very surface level. I barely described what happened. Um, And as you know, I'm a heterosexual male. So going through that and being abused by another man is um, extremely difficult to get off your chest. Um, And uh, there's a lot of uh, maybe, you know, well, there's definitely insecurity that comes with it, but there's also just self judgment and doubt and all these things. And and similar feelings I felt as a kid too, going through it. So, I didn't get honest at first. And then as time went on, I was like, you know what? I think I need to get just a little bit more vulnerable. And the rawness 
just kind of came out. I, I mean, I didn't plan for it. I just wrote it. I wrote it as I felt it and as it happened. And, um, and I'm glad I did, you know, I'm glad I did. I've had numerous people, males reach out to me mm-hmm. who knew about my story besides that. Um, and they said that they went through something similar or that hearing me get that off my chest um, and being so honest about it and not caring what other people thought um, helped them to get, get, get through similar or even different types of traumas, you know? And, and so that's, that's the reason why I did it. That's the reason why I wrote this book to begin with. I wanted to help people and, and point them, you know, I, I don't talk about the things that I went through to try to garner sympathy or pity or anything like that. I want people to realize that we can overcome tragedies and, you know, we can show resilience and, and, um, and that's what's important. And that's the theme that I want people to take from my book. Yeah. And, um, you know, that whole message behind passing it on, I think, you know, if that gentleman at the, I think it, you were at the rehab that spoke about his own sexual trauma that yeah. inspired you to have that first conversation. Um, and you, you must just realize, oh my God, how much that, much that helped you and how much you now telling your story can help so many others, right? Yeah. And, and just hearing it from another guy, someone yeah. who I looked up to at, at that time and still do, um, I think even more, I don't know, like it, it's just, it's one of those things where the, the person, the victim will continue to victimize themselves in the years to come. Yeah. That's what I did. So as I got older, I would say to myself, this is your fault. Uh, this is this is actually not as bad as you, you're making it out to be in your head. Like this is um, something you agree to, right? You don't look at the fact that, you know, a, a young kid, a 14 year old boy is, is so easily manipulative. You know, you can, or I think that's the right terminology. Yeah, manipulate it. You got it. You can manipulate a kid so easily without sure. knowing, it, you know, and like, so, um, I don't think people realize that at times too, you know, like, I mean, they probably do now, but like for me, as you, as you're going through that, you don't look at it that way. Oh my um, goodness. I, well, I, doubled. I, yeah. Well, you were already traumatized, uh, yeah. losing your father in nine 11 and somebody took advantage of a very innocent child. And of course, you know, internalizing that thinking it's, there's something wrong with us or questioning your own sexuality because of it worrying about what other people will think my god it's like it's a miracle that you're talking to me right now as a sober man really hey quick interruption on this amazing podcast but we have to tell you about our awesome sponsor thai technology they are so cool and they're here in tampa bay if you're a tampa bay listener Thai Technology is the best voice over IP business phone service company out there. How do I know this? I used to work in telecom before I work with doctors. That's right. So I know me a good phone system when I see it. Plus, they are integrated with Zoom. They are the only ones that are integrated with Zoom. And if you mention this podcast or you mention the Facebook show, they're going to hook you up with three months for free. Follow them on Facebook and on Instagram, Thai Technology Rocks. And I think that um, because you were able to verbalize it in such a, a raw, authentic way is really going to just help so many men because we both know that there are so many 
um, men and women, but a lot of men that just won't talk about it because of the added shame of you're a man, you know, you got to be like, hey, yo, yo, way. I mean, my goodness, your last name alone is very, you know, very Italiano. Yep. No, it's, it's, you're completely accurate. I mean, you know, men don't want to admit to weakness. They don't want to address weakness. Um, and uh, I think it's important to kind of try to break that stigma in and of itself too. You know, um, you're not weak if you're vulnerable. You're not weak if you cry. Um, you know, in fact, I think you can argue the opposite, you know, and um, facing fear head on. You know, I think that's a major strength that men can show and, and inspire people by doing so. Yeah. So I want to ask you about this um, wonderful rehab that you went to. And man, oh man, I was feeling it so hard because I've been to two, two rehabs, a halfway house, um, detoxes, inpatient, outpatient, you know, psych ward, you name it, I've been there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking about you and your friend just wanting to be in the car and take the, your car for oh. right? a ride. Yeah. And you weren't using... And you were, um, you were failing um, P tests yeah. because of, um, oh, don't tell me, I'm going to remember what it was. Oh, some um, ointment that you were rubbing in your back yeah. because of pain, right? And it was showing up and you were coming out with dirty urines and yeah. you just wanted to drive, right? Like you hadn't driven in six months and you needed yeah. freedom. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, that story is like, the, is just shows like what you go through in early sobriety at times, I think too, just that wanting that sense of wanting freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was, you wouldn't believe it. I was uh, very, very overweight back then. I mean, I blew up with addiction. And when I got sober, um, you know, temporarily I used, I don't want to say I, you know, consciously used food as a substitute, but like I, you know, they had me on a sleep medication that messed with my appetite. And like, I would eat in the middle of the night, and like not even know it, you know? Um, and so, uh, I had not known that I failed the second drug test. Mm -hmm. I was not made aware of that. Um, and so on, from their point of view, and I completely get it too, you know, from their point of view, I've now had two dirty urine samples. Um, and, uh, you know, then like I lie about, you know, going to work and to take my car for a joy (laughs) ride to the mall, you know? So it's, I get, you know, I understand, um, but yeah, that, that was just like that, that earning and, and just that search for freedom, you know? Well, it also, I felt like it spoke to how when we get sober, well, I'll speak for myself. I was still lying. Oh, God. Right? I mean, I, there, there's just certain things that didn't go away in the first yeah. year. I mean, like the lying, the, uh, I don't want to say manipulating, because that was, for me wasn't as bad, maybe, but the lying, for sure. I mean, like, I... It was like also like that search for getting out of myself, you know, and like if like getting away with like taking my car when I'm not allowed to have it is a yeah. way to feel something, feel some sort of like adrenaline rush, then I'm, that's what I was going to do. Sure. Yeah, no, I, it was that feeling that I related to like just now we, you know, uh, live a life with alcohol and drugs and escape and and the um you know, I loved when you were sharing about your drug dealer who you, you spent time with that you, you kind of yeah. enjoyed sometimes, right? Yeah. You oh, we yeah. were living on the edge and now it's like, you know, I can't even take the car out. Are you kidding yeah. me? 
So um, sobriety doesn't just mean not drinking and not using drugs. Like we have to change our entire lives. So, so tell me about, so you left this, how long were you in this rehab that you went to? So that, that was when I was in the sober house. Um, so the rehab I went to was uh, 28 days. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I stayed a little bit longer because we were trying to get some clearance and stuff for like insurance to go to this, for me to go to the sober house. Um, it may have been like 31 days or so. Um, but then I ended up being in the sober house for roughly uh, like nine, 10 months. Wow. Um, granted, you know, uh, like, like you said before, I don't want to give away too much, but I had other things going on with like coming forward about the abuse and everything. So that kind of um, prohibited me from getting out probably sooner. Um, I probably would have been out of there. And look, I would have still been living up there too at that time, even if I got out in six months. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was easier to just be in the last phase of the sober house, um, you know, where you're basically on your own anyway, and just dealing with everything else that I was dealing with, you know, externally too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all in, I ended up being up in New Hampshire for, um, for a year. Wow. I was in New Hampshire in a rehab. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was at Seafield Pines and I climbed Mount Monadnock. Did they make you climb a mountain, Matt? We climbed a mountain. We did. It was <laughs> my, I think I was like, I don't know, 40 days sober. I was completely overweight, you know, smoking tons of cigarettes. Like couldn't make it up the mountain without needing my inhaler, which I don't even use an inhaler like hardly ever anymore. Um, just so out of shape and just like mm-hmm. the last thing that I wanted to do was climb this mountain, but I climbed right. the mountain. <laughs> so are you still smoking? Uh, it's okay, Matt. Nicotine is, uh, is one vice that I'm having my battles with. Absolutely. I mean, I, when I don't ask you that to put you on the spot, but no, no, I'm almost no. happy to hear that because, you know, we give up so much. It's very difficult to give up everything. I think anybody that has been sober um, for a little while can relate to gaining weight. Oh, yeah. You know, we went from not eating to eating all the time. Yeah. Um, they actually recommend that we should, you know, not worry about those kind of things in early recovery because our focus should just be not drinking or not getting high. So um, it's really, it, it's just one of those things that will go away. I can't believe the nerd that I am today, Matt. I can't wait until you're the full on nerd. I mean, you're only at the beginning <laughs> of nerdism now with this wonderful life you're living. How about, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for your mom. I must yeah. have to say that. I'm sure she is thrilled to have her son back. What is that relationship like with you and your mom today? We're very, we're very close. Um, so it's like seeing the transformation and just from like 2013, when I first started trying to go, I shouldn't say try to get sober, but like went to a facility, you know, I was kind of forced to go or coerced to go really. Um, but seeing like the transformation, like I remember that summer she was reading a book. I was actually talking about this with a few of my uh, sober friends the other night. And um, she's reading a book on the beach about uh, how to handle like a, a son or, or, or a child that's dealing with oxycodone addiction. And she put a book cover on and, you know, my brother, one of my brothers happened to know that she was probably reading something that like mm-hmm. she didn't want them to see. And she opened and he opened it and saw it. And so that's when like questions started to pop up for them. And, uh, and then, so you fast forward from then to nearly 
you know, eight years later, um, and I'll, I'll God willing in the summer off six months, or excuse me, six years sobriety, um, which is crazy to say that even, even saying it out loud, but, uh, you know, those two years, right. Those, those are the two years of struggle for me. Um, that until I got, until I actually got sober, but seeing the difference in eight years and like how open she is, you know, like, I mean, look, I'm going to be honest, like even my first year of sobriety, when I was in New Hampshire, people would ask where I was. And at first, she, I don't want to say she was embarrassed because she probably wasn't. It was more so she was trying to protect me. Sure. And, you know, so finally I was like, listen, like, just be honest with people. I, I am not ashamed, you know, of where I am right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and now I have, I have five plus years of sobriety. Mm-hmm. It's so easy for her to say like, oh, he's sober or he's yeah. an AA. Or, yeah. you know, this is what he's doing to help people. You know, this is, this is what he's, this is his calling. So yeah. the difference in that alone is amazing. But our relationship um, has flourished, you know? I mean, there were so many years of, we were still so close, even in active addiction. But I mean, I was such a drag to her. I was constantly putting her through so much stuff and, um, you know, causing a strain in her other relationships, you know? Her, you know, and then like having her taking out the, the stress and the pain that she was dealing with from me on other people, you know, and that's, we were talking about this before, like, you know, we don't realize the effect that we have on those close to us yeah. and how they react. Yeah. It's a family disease, you know, and we are yeah. all affected and I'll be very honest. Um, I haven't had um, the in-depth conversations that I've had with my family is just since the release of my book, because, you know, when we're in, in recovery, it's like, it's our group of people, you know, we got our people, we share all our stuff. It's like, hi, nice to meet you. What fucked you up? Great. We get right to the point. When we come outside into the the normie world, um, you know, those conversations aren't always happening. And um, there were a lot of things that I put in my book that my family was unaware of because I wanted to save them from some of the pain. But what you actually realize, which I thought you did so well, Um, especially when it came to talking about the sexual trauma that you experience, was that that type of communication is what really helps people. And that's the view that my mom started to have with it too, which is kind of nice because um, way before, not way before, but about a few months before I got my deal, um, I started printing out the first chapters and having her read them. And, uh, when it came time to those chapters, it got to a point for her where it was too too tough to read. So she didn't read. Mm. I got my advanced copies from my publisher and I gave her her copy. And uh, and I'm gonna be honest, I wasn't expecting her to read it. Um, and I didn't know if she should read it. And uh, you know, a couple of people close to her said, maybe she, should, she shouldn't read it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but her mindset was, if he can live it, I can read it. Yeah. And so she did and um, I mean, it's like amazing, you know, she's a read, she likes to read, but like she, she breezed through my book and um, it was just, I think it was a really surreal experience for her as well, you know, just to be able to say like, this is finally, this is what he's been working for for the last few years, you know? Um, And, uh, and for her to read it, like, I think she knew that I needed to, it made it so much more real for her, you know, she, she knew about it already. She heard about it and I, gave her some details but for her to read it and see it on paper 
that just kind of solidified everything for her, you know? Yeah. Well, there's All a those lot feelings of came back. Yeah, I'm sure there's been a lot of healing since. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. it's wonderful. I mean, as painful as it is, I mean, we went through hell. You went through your own hell. Um, yeah. the, the ability to be able to communicate it and to live a life where there's no secrets, mm-hmm. where there's no regret, where there's I, only opportunity, right? Yeah, it's I mean, that's just, uh, you really hit the nail on the head. Like that's a year ago, I was dealing with some personal stuff. Um, now I was getting to probably my first, I would, I would consider it my first sober bottom. Mm-hmm. Four and a half years sober and knowing that a drink or a drug won't make the problems I was dealing with better but also not knowing where to go and wondering if my life was worth living. Um, and to say that out loud is pretty crazy to say, you know, cause like you think, I think people automatically assume you get sober, life gets better. There's no problems, you know, rainbows and butterflies. But that's yeah. not the, that's not the truth, you know? And, um, and so anyway, for me to be able to get honest with my mom about other things I was dealing with and the reaction being completely opposite to what it would have been, years prior because mm-hmm. not only was I acknowledging something and addressing it head on um before like she could question me but I was owning up to it and looking to you know help myself to get better you know mm-hmm. and so that's like that's how that's the gift of sobriety that's one of the gifts of sobriety to see that even the you know the behaviors that even when you're early on in sobriety can be questionable still they can get better you know and you can change as a, truly change as a person I think being sober is the greatest thing in the whole flipping world. Completely agree. <laughs> I feel Completely like agree. everybody in the whole flipping world could benefit from going to Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, anything that says anonymous after it, you should probably consider. There's open meetings, everybody. You want to become a better person? Have some real talk at a meeting and your life will completely change, right? And I don't know if it's the same for you, but I don't, I don't do small talk. Um, and I think it's mostly because I've had the great opportunity to spend the last 26 years of my life talking about things that matter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, completely agree. So you have some sober friends your own age? Plenty of them. Uh, I had friends, you know, there's a couple in the book. Um, and, uh, you know, there's... Uh, so many more that I met throughout the years, but, um, you know, the, the really, the beautiful relationships that I have, some of the most beautiful relationships I have are with kids that I, guys that I've known my whole life. And not only that, we've gone through so much more than just getting sober. Um, and we've gone through so much more together. And so, um, that's to me, a a major gift of this program is that I had friends who watched me deal with everything I dealt with, and then, you know, start in the downfall of where, you know, where my life was going and like, you know, the downfall of like what addiction was bringing for me and, uh, and then watch myself kind of pull myself out of it. And they stuck by me through it all. And so that's, you know, that's a gift. That's amazing. Um, I could talk to you all day. Yeah. Likewise. But you and I both, and maybe we'll, we'll become lifelong friends after this, I'm sure. Um, I want to do a part two one day. Okay. Um, sure. I want to hear more about uh, your speaking events. And I want to hear more about how uh, we can help reach more young people 
um, and, and let them see what sobriety looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, a, a term in the book and out the Alcoholics Anonymous big book, you know, we are not a glum lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had more fun as a sober woman than I, cause I don't remember anything that happened to me when I was drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I was laughing when you were talking about, uh, your family kind of being guarded. My younger brother thought I, every time I went to rehab, I was going to computer school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was, there was, uh, there was plenty of that in the beginning In the first couple of attempts at, at, uh, at, we're going to detox. Yeah. There was, I think I probably went to like, I don't know. Did I go to the Bahamas or something? Who knows where I went? I went to some nice trip or something. Exactly. Meanwhile, yeah. back at the rooms. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. I, I'm going to highly recommend, we're going to put all the information is in the show notes for you guys to have an opportunity to access this incredible book. Um, you know, any book that can keep my attention to finish in a weekend, I highly <laughs> recommend. I love nothing more than to learn about other people's journey through um, addiction, um, hardship, and then sobriety and thriving in life. And to know now that you're in a, a space in your life where you have this wonderful book and the love of your family and, you know, your dad's still shining bright above you. Um, and that, you know, you're from up North like me. I mean, yeah. it's a, a wonderful, wonderful union. I think you were put in my life for a reason. I, I have some stuff I need to look back at with um, my girlfriend who lost her dad in 9-11 that I have buried because that's what we do. Well, I'll speak for myself. Uh, many traumas happen to us all through our lives, even through sobriety. Um, and in my book, I talk a lot about being suicidal in sobriety. Um, I think that, you know, there's a lot we kind of have to navigate through um, in recovery. So I'm pretty sure that not only was I on that clubhouse just to ask you to be on my podcast, but you're probably going to be, you know, a little uh, stepping stepping off point for me to revisit some things that I haven't thought about in a long time. The pain was too great for me to look at, but you've um, been a bright light to, to bring that to my attention again. So I appreciate it. I'm honored and very happy to hear that. Yeah. Matthew, thank you so much. Everybody get the book sway. (laughs) It's amazing. And we'll look forward to having Matthew back on the podcast to talk more about his speaking events. And if you want to book Matthew, well, you know, you're going to have to pay for that too. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Matt. Thank you. So don't forget if you mention that you have seen the show or listened to the podcast, Thai technology, three months for free.